Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. I honestly cannot remember a time uh, in the recent past when more people have said to me, man, I'm excited for these services as this series that we're doing right here, The Next Big Thing. And it's fun because what they're not saying is they're not saying, Pastor, that sermon was awesome, which is kind of nice to hear. But that's not what they're saying. What, what they're saying, what they're saying is, I feel like God's doing something in my life. I have this sense of excitement. I have this sense of expectation. I believe that the Holy Spirit is working and moving and, and, and giving me a hunger for the things that God wants to do in my life. And, and that's the point, isn't it? There's something unique that God's doing right now. And that's why, and, and, I, and I read this scripture last week, but I think this is really important. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5 Apostle Paul says about his, his communication, he says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We said last week the Holy Spirit can do more in 30 seconds than any sermon can do in 30 minutes, and I really do believe that's essential for what God wants to do in our lives, especially today. So um, as we start, could we, could we begin with the word of prayer? Father, as we come to your word God, we thank you for how your word is alive and how it speaks to us. And, and spirit, especially even in, in these last few moments of this service, I've, I've sensed your presence here in a powerful way. Holy Spirit, you want to speak to our lives. Some of us need encouragement. Some of us need enlightened. Lord, for some of us, what we need is, is some conviction. Lord, for every one of us, we need your life to be in us. So Holy Spirit, would you visit us with your power, with your, with your presence today? Speak to us through your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we've started a study of the book of Acts, this, this series that we're in right now, kind of working our way through the first two chapters we've called The Next Big Thing. Here's the reason why, because Jesus promised his disciples before he ascended into heaven that I'm going to send a gift to you. you. You need to be ready for the next big thing that God wants to do in your life, and that gift is the Holy Spirit. So we took a few weeks to look at how do we get ready for the things that God wants to do in our lives. Last week, we started kind of a, a journey we're going to take for a few weeks to understand what Scripture says about the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is, what His work is, what His role is in our lives. And we've been working with this kind of basic definition that the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity, and a relationship with Him is a vital part of the Christian life. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity, and, and, and if you're familiar with, with Scripture, you know that the Bible tells us that there is one God, just one God, but he makes himself known to us in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So we, we see this in Scripture, and one of the things we're going to look at as we understand what the New Testament tells us about the, the Holy Spirit is that life, um, or excuse me, the Holy Spirit desires to live in us, with us, and through us. The Holy Spirit desires to live in us, with us, and through us. And last week we looked at, at basically the, the, primarily the teachings of the Apostle Paul about the Holy Spirit. We, we kind of took our time in Romans chapter 8 where he talks about living life in the Spirit. Today we're going to look at what the Apostle John says. In fact, if, if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn to John chapter 14. That's where we're going to spend most of our time today and how we live life with the Holy Spirit with us. And then next week, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit working through us and primarily what Luke shows us about the Holy Spirit. But John chapter 14, 
um, says an awful lot to us about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let me set the stage for you just a little bit. In, in the Gospel of John, we've reached a point where Jesus is for the last time with his disciples. This is the night before his, his crucifixion, before his arrest. This is when he shares with the Last Supper with them. And this, this part of John is really pretty unique because Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't contain most of the teaching that you'll see in John chapters 13 through 17. It's what we often refer to as the farewell discourse of the Gospel of John because it's the last words. It's Jesus' farewell teachings to his apostles. At the beginning of chapter 13, that's where we read about Jesus washing his disciples' feet where he models being a servant for them. Do you remember that part? Anybody, anybody remember that part? Okay, three of you. Awesome, thank you. And the rest of you, read it before you come back next week. So John chapter 13. Then John chapter 14, Jesus starts it out this way. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Why does he say that? Well, he says it because he's about to drop a bomb on them. He says, look, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. Here's why. I've been with you night and day for three years. I'm going to leave now. He says, you're, you're going to be on your own now because I'm going to leave. If you can imagine... The disciples left everything to follow him, right? They, they had planned to actually be a part of his new kingdom. And now he says, I'm taking off. So you can tell that they're troubled in this moment. And he wants to reassure them that this is all a part of God's plan and that actually his leaving is a good thing. So here's what he says. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, Jesus says, he my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. To help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So, so let's do this for the rest of our time together today. We're going we're gonna to walk through those verses. And I, and I literally I just want to unpack some things that we see here. Some truths that are really important for us to understand the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives and, and his life with us from the perspective that Jesus gives in the Gospel of John. So it's an interesting way for him to begin. Go back to verse 15 and see what Jesus says. He's going to tell them about the Holy Spirit because in verse 16, he starts by using the word and. He says, and I will. But before he says and, he goes back and says this, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands. It's an interesting thing for him to say. Before he ever talks about giving them the gift of the Spirit, he says, let's just make sure we're all on the same page. Let's, let's lay the groundwork here. Let's, let's go back to basics. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Why does he say that? Because the blessing of life with the Spirit is not some kind of random thing. I think we kind of think sometimes, you know, the Holy Spirit's there and he's just kind of out and about. Now, let's, let's, let's download on this for just a moment. Is the Holy Spirit everywhere? God's presence on earth. Yes or no? Yes. yes. But we can take that for granted. Sometimes we can think, well, the Holy Spirit is everywhere, but we're not thinking about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And he's saying, look, don't take for granted the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't just assume his presence in your life because he says, if you're not living in love and obedience with Jesus, you will miss out on the Spirit's presence. That's why he starts out by saying, if you love me, keep my commands. If we're in relationship, do what I've taught you. You have to have that place of obedience if you're going to live that life with the Spirit. Paul said this last week, right? He said you have to choose between life in the flesh or life in the spirit. And that choice will determine the relationship that you have with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says the same thing here. He says, if you love me, if you have a relationship with me, before I can give you the Holy Spirit, I need to know the state of that relationship because that relationship will determine the extent to which the spirit can work in your life. If you love me, 
keep my commands. Here's what we see. Here's the principle. We do not work to receive the Holy Spirit in our lives, but we must welcome the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not a matter of earning that or deserving it or working for it. But if we aren't welcoming the Holy Spirit in our lives, then we cannot expect to feel and live in and, and know his presence with us. When I was young, probably, I don't know, high school, college years, I had a friend. We'd been friends a long time. And I, and I would say that in a season, he was like my best friend. And I, I just loved this guy, you know, appreciated him. We, we hung out a lot and, you know, we would double date, all this kind of stuff and, 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 and spend time. And uh, in the midst of this, over time, I started to realize, I was like, you know, um, whenever we're together, he never asks me about me. He always just talks about himself. And if I bring up something about myself, he, he, it's like he's not listening. We're always talking about him, never about me. He never asks me how I'm doing. If, if, I, if I have a problem or a challenge or something and I bring it up, it's, it's like he, he never responds. And I started to realize whenever we're together... We always listen to the music that he wants to listen to. And if we're going to hang out, we always go and do what he wants to do. And when he's having a hard time, like, I'm, I'm there for him, but I, I don't really see or feel this. It seems like this friendship is one-sided. And what I started to do as a response to that, I started to kind of push back and pull back a little bit. Didn't spend as much time. I wasn't as active in his life as I once was because I realized that maybe my friendship didn't mean as much to him as I thought it did. Anybody ever had an experience like that? Look, I, I think that same thing happens in our relationship with God, with the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit's there and, and he's open and he's active, but sometimes we just totally disregard him. He's talking to us and we don't listen. We know the things that would please him and we just don't pay attention. Instead, we do the things that we want to do. And, and we hang out with the people we want to hang out with and we do the things that will make us happy and we totally disregard the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's why Jesus says, look, if you love me, if you want the Spirit's presence in your life, you need to keep my commands. But if you don't, you're actually pushing away God's Spirit. Not because he loses power, but because you're hindering his flow, the, the, the work, the welcome in your life of the Holy Spirit. This is critical for us to understand, and here's why. Because my sin hinders God's Spirit. And there's sin in my life. Attitudes, words, actions, thoughts, you, you name it. It has the potential to hinder, the, the word that Paul uses to grieve the Holy Spirit. This won't be on the screens, but, but listen to these words. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29. Paul says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Do you see, do you see what he says here? He says, he says, look, watch your mouth, watch the things that you say, and then watch your attitudes and your actions towards others. And in the middle of that, he says, he sandwiches right in there, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Because your attitudes and your words and your actions and your thoughts, they can actually grieve God's spirit. They can wound God's spirit. Does that make sense? So, so you have to be aware of this. So Jesus says, before I can even talk to you about giving you this gift of the Holy Spirit, let's start here. He, he says, we've got to be in right relationship. It's got to start with you and me. And then he moves on. Look at verse 16. John chapter 14, verse 16. First word. We know these two are connected because then he says, and, if you, if you love me, keep my commandments, and... I will ask the Father, 
And he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. I mean, there's a lot there. Let's, let's talk about just a few things real quick. One, it's really interesting. Jesus the Son is going to ask God the Father to send the Holy Spirit. Do you see all three of them in that verse? We refer to that as the, the Trinity. So the Trinity is at work here in a powerful way. And what we understand when we look at this is that Jesus has a point that he's trying to make here. There's a concern that's driving him. The reason he's going to ask the Father to send the Spirit to his disciples is because he cares about them and he knows he's leaving them. And as he's leaving, he wants them to have everything that they need. Rhonda and I have reached this pretty cool place in, in, our, in our lives as parents that we have, you know, we have three kids, kids at home. We can leave the house even for a couple of days and know that when we come back, the house will still be standing. Like that's a good place to be. Those of you with young kids, I'm telling you, hang in there. It will happen. Pray fast. Hang on. There's a day when, when you can do that. And so now, if we, if we want to leave town for a couple of days, we can do that. And we leave a list. You know, hey, make sure you feed the animals. Make sure you take out the trash. Make sure you don't burn the house down. You know, all that kind of stuff is on the list. And then there's another list that comes out, the list. And on it are like names and phone numbers, information that they would need to know. So top of the list, here's, here's, the, here's the phone numbers for your grandparents. If you need something, call them. Here's, here's our neighbors. Here's some friends. Here's, here's your doctor. Just for good measure, here's the FBI, right? I mean, we got all that stuff that's on. It's not on there. FBI's not on there. But you know what I mean. All this stuff that's on there, and here's why. Because in our absence, we want to know that there's someone who can be present with you if you need them. Someone who cares about you. Someone who will help you. Someone who thinks like we do and has your best interest in mind. So we give them the list so that if they need someone to be with them while we're gone, they know who to call. This is what's motivating Jesus here. He knows he's leaving, and he loves these disciples. They're the people that he's invested his life in. And he says, you are my followers. You, you love me. You keep my commandments. I'm leaving, but I'm going to give you someone who, in my absence, will bring to you my presence. That's what he's talking about here. That's what's motivating him. That's what's driving him. And this is a powerful thing for us. And don't miss this. In saying that, Jesus is saying to them, I'm going to give you everything you need to live your life for me. And some of you need to hear that. In fact, for some of you, that's, that's going to be a word of encouragement. For some of you, you could probably write that down, stand up, and leave right now. That's what you need. Don't leave right now or I'll call you out. But here's the truth, okay? God gives us all we need to accomplish his will for our lives. That, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That through the Holy Spirit coming alongside with us, God gives us all we need to accomplish his will for our lives. And some of you need to hear that word. I know I do. I know I did. On uh, this past week one night, I was at a wedding. I wasn't at a Bible study. I wasn't at a prayer meeting. I was at a wedding. And I was just kind of hanging out. You know, we were having fun. We'd eat and we were walking around talking to people, you know, the whole thing you do it wedding reception. And I was talking to a friend and his wife, and all of a sudden he, he looks up at me and he, he kind of, he, he didn't point at me, but he, he might as well have locked eyes with me. And he shared a scripture with me and then a thought. I wasn't in a prayer meeting. I wasn't in a Bible study. I was at a wedding reception. Not the place necessarily where you might share a word from the Lord, but it was the word I needed. He didn't know that. He doesn't know what's going on in my life. 
but the Spirit did. And the Spirit put that in his heart to share with me. And when he shared it with me, it was exactly what I needed to hear. Because the Spirit knew the things that I was dealing with. The Spirit knows the things that are heavy on my mind, the things that seem bigger than I am. And then he speaks this word of encouragement to me that reminded me that the Spirit of God will give me everything I need to accomplish God's will for my life. Do you know what I'm talking about? Two things. One, if God puts a word in your heart to share with somebody, don't swallow it. Speak it. I think of all the times that the, the, the Holy Spirit might have brought a scripture to my mind or a word that I could have shared with somebody, and I swallowed it instead of speaking it. That's, that's, a, that's a terrible loss. But the other thing is this. For some of you, this word right now is a word of encouragement to you, that you need to hear that. You need to be encouraged by that, that God will give you everything that you need. In fact, look at what he says. He says, John 14, 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Interesting phrase. He's going to give you another advocate. Now, that word another can actually like have two different meanings. Sometimes you might say another in this way. I have this, and that's another thing, meaning that's a different thing. That's a thing that's not like this. I have this. That is that. That is not like this. That's one way to use the word another. Tracking with me? There's another way to use the word another. You can say, I have this, and I also have another. I have one like this, and I have another one that's just like this. I have two. I have this and another. So I have this, and there's another, and I have this, and there's another. When Jesus uses the word, I didn't mean to lose you, but I was doing a good job of losing you, wasn't I? Let me finish this, and then I'll go on to another thing. Okay, so here's, here's what he says, right? It's another. When Jesus uses the word another, it's a Greek word, alon, and this is what it means. It is one like this. So when Jesus says, I'm bringing you another advocate, he's saying, I'm bringing you an advocate that's another like me. It's just like me. It's an, ad an advocate that is the same as me. So the experience you've had, Jesus says, with me on earth, I'm going to send someone else who's going to bring you another experience just like that. Here's, here's the key, and this is important to this passage, and it's really important to understanding the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God just like Jesus was. Just as Jesus came in the flesh to his disciples, the Holy Spirit comes in the flesh to us, and he is God. He's, he's, not, he's not like part three of the Trinity. He, he's not like the substitute teacher. He's not like pulling somebody off the bench because the starters can't make it. He is God. And oftentimes I think we think about the Trinity and we're like, okay, God the Father, he's, he's the big deal, right? He's the boss. And then you got Jesus the Son. He's the one who came and did the heavy lifting and... Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, we got the Holy Spirit, too. Like, you know, there's that third part, yeah, and then there's, there's, there's the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I think we, we think of the Holy Spirit like he's the generic God. He's not the, he's not the real God. He's the generic one. He's like $2 cheaper in the boxes and is nice, but it's just about the same. Right? He's got the same basic things. And what Jesus is saying here is he says, look, I'm not sending you a substitute. I'm not sending you something just to hold you over. This is God who is coming for you. This is the Spirit of God who is coming to bring you presence. He's just like Jesus was and recognize the Holy Spirit wants to be at work in your life. And that's God. The Holy Spirit brings the presence of Jesus to the followers of Jesus. And that's really important to understand. Keep this in mind as we go through these verses. He's someone who has come like Jesus came to be our advocate. Interesting word. That's how the New International Version translates it. Jesus says, and I'll ask the Father, and he will send you another, just like me, advocate. Now, that word advocate 
is, is a Greek word, parakaletos, that is a little bit difficult for us to translate because it doesn't have like a, an exact English equivalent. It, it's not exactly like another word that we, that we know. You only see that word five times in the New Testament. All five, they're used by the Apostle John. He uses it once in, in the, the letter that he wrote, 1 John. And then Jesus uses that word four times in these chapters, 14, 15, and 16 of the Gospel of John. And all four times, he uses it to describe the person of the Holy Spirit. So let me give you a little definition here. Parakaletos is a person summoned to one's aid. It is a person who is summoned to one's aid. In fact, sometimes what you'll hear is that theologians will, will kind of use English to kind of transliterate this word, and they'll refer to the Holy Spirit as the paraclete. But that's like his title, the paraclete. Anybody ever heard that before? The Holy Spirit is the paraclete. In fact, we'll use that a little bit here today. And that term in, in Roman times had a bit of a legal connotation. That if you were in need or you were in trouble and you needed someone to come and help you, like say in a courtroom situation, then the paraclete... Par so glad you guys listen and take notes. The paraclete will show up and he will come and help you. He will be there by your side. He will give you aid. He will have resources. He will have insight. He will come and he will help you. So what different Bible translations have done is they've translated this word in different ways. The Holy Spirit is our comforter, counselor, helper, guide, and advocate. In fact, depending on what Bible version you use, you, you may see that translated with one of those words. He's our comforter. That in those times when we're in need, he comes alongside of us and comforts us. Have you ever heard that name for him before? Have you ever experienced that before? He's our counselor. That when we don't know what to do, he comes and he gives us insight. When we need to deal with the burdens in our heart, he's there to hear us. He's our helper. That when we can't do it on our own, he comes to help us. He's our guide. That when we don't know what to do, he leads us. He is our advocate. It's an interesting word that's used here in the NIV that it would say that he's someone who comes alongside of us. And in those moments where we need someone to come to our aid and our rescue, like in that courtroom situation, he is the advocate who's there by our side. The NIV translates this a little uniquely because he says it, it is our advocate who's here to help us. He is our advocate who's here to help us. He's come to assist you in your challenges. So in a courtroom, he would plead your case. He would give you resources. He would stand up for you. He would be the one that would help you to find freedom and peace. Isn't it good when you know someone has your back? Isn't it? When you know that you're in a tough situation and someone will come alongside of you and help you in that point, you know who has my back usually more than anybody else? Google. <laughs> right? You're in a little discussion with somebody, and they're like, I think it's this way. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure it's this way. And you kind of go back and forth, and finally you just go, let me Google it. Right? And you kind of do a little search, and you find out you're right, and you're like, <laughs> Google's got my back, right? Because it proves that you're right. It helps you out. Well, the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us, and in those moments when we need that strength, when we need that help, he's there, and he's with us. But don't miss this, okay? In the same way that sometimes I think we think that the Holy Spirit is like third-class God, not first-class, just third-class the other misunderstanding that I think we get sometimes is we think that the Holy Spirit works for us. The Holy Spirit is our advocate and not our assistant. Like he's not just somebody you call when you're in need and, you know, Holy Spirit's a good guy. He'll come and help us out. 
Like it goes a whole lot deeper than that. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't get our coffee for us. He gets us out of a mess. If you have an assistant, an assistant does what you say. But if you have an advocate, you do what the advocate says. Because that, that advocate knows what you need to do, has wisdom and has insight, and is there to help you. There's this powerful thing that's true about that. Do you recognize the role of the Holy Spirit in your life to be that advocate, to be there and to help you and to give you guidance and direction? Because until you open up and realize he's not just your assistant, he's there to guide you, he's there to lead you, you will miss out on this next truth. Watch what Jesus says as he, as he goes further to explain this, John 14, 16. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. I like that name for the Holy Spirit. In fact, John uses it multiple times to describe the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. One place in particular where he kind of describes it for us is, is 10 verses later. Look at this, John 14, 26. Look at what John says. Jesus said, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. We're all friends here, right? That was reassuring. Um, we're all friends here, right? Okay, all right, good. True little confession, help me out here. Does anybody else have a hard time remembering things? Like I forget stuff all the time. It's not because I'm getting older. It's because I'm getting busier. Can I get an amen? amen? Right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the hard drive's getting full. And, then, and what's happened is I have found out that if I don't write stuff down, I don't remember stuff. Like at some point, I have to find a way to remind myself of things. So if you say something to me, you ask me a favor or something like that, you know the first thing I'm going to do? I'm not texting anybody. I just got to write it down. Because if I don't write it down, it's gone. If I have a good thought, they happen, I don't know. Once, twice a year. If I have a good thought, I'm going to write that bad boy down. Because if I don't, I'll sleep and it's going to be gone. If I'm talking to Rhonda on the phone and she says, hey, on the way home, can you stop by the grocery store and pick up such and such? You know what I say to her? Can you text me that? Because I'm not going to remember that. But if you text me, then I won't read the text. And then it'll leave that little red dot on there. And that will bug me. And so I'll go back and look at it before I come home. Because guess what's going to happen? I'm not going to remember it. I need you to remind me. And then I get busy in life. And I come up to these situations that I know God's word addresses. Or I know that I've experienced God's faithfulness in the past. Or I know there's been things where I should have at the front of my mind how big my God is. But instead I come up to these things and I go, oh, I don't know what to do. And do you know what happens? If I'm open to it, the spirit of truth comes alongside of me. And he helps me to remember God's word. He reminds me of the truths of God's word. So in those times, I'm reminded of what I know, the principles from scripture, the scriptures that I've read, the things that I've learned. And I need to be reminded and I need to be taught. And that's what the spirit of truth does in our lives. The Holy Spirit can be that for you. Because sometimes, this doesn't happen to you, but sometimes the Bible doesn't make sense to me. And I need to say, God, will you help me to understand this and then apply this to my life? Sometimes I'm not sure what to do, and I need the spirit of truth to guide me through those seasons. Sometimes I look at my problems, and I think of how big my problems are, and I need to be reminded by the Holy Spirit of how big my God is. That's the role of the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit teaches 
and reminds the believer of God's truth. The Holy Spirit teaches and reminds the believer of God's truth. Truth. Look, I, I don't know, nor does it matter, kind of where you are on the political spectrum, but it's a tense political time in our nation, isn't it? I mean, you, you, you just see this. And no matter where you are on that spectrum, there's a phrase that's been floating around that people are using about the truth. They'll, they'll talk about fake news. Have you heard that? You know, and you'll hear this floating around. And the reality is that too many times in my world, I'm challenged, not with fake news, but with fake truth and with things that just don't line up with God's word or things that I know are not pleasing to him. And in those times, when there's those fake truths that I could hold on to, I need to be reminded of the Holy Spirit of what the real truth is. Here's key, though. I've got to be listening. Because if I'm not in right relationship with him, if, if my sin is hindering the Holy Spirit's work in my life, if my attitudes, if, if my heart's in the wrong place, if I'm just too busy, I'll miss out on the spirit of truth at work in my life. You will not hear unless you are listening. You will not hear unless you are listening. And all the wives said? <laughs> so read God's word and interact with people who will encourage you. Be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit because you won't hear unless you're listening, which means we've got to go back to our text. Go back to verse 17, John chapter 14, verse 17. Jesus has just described him as the spirit of truth, and then he says this, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Two, two interesting parts that are there, and, and one of this is the challenge. He says, look, the world doesn't know him or accept him. The world can't figure him out. Why is that? Because they're not on the same wavelength. Remember a couple weeks ago, we, we used the analogy of a transistor radio and that sometimes you got to get yourself in a spot where you're able to receive that signal, where you, can, where you can hear what the Spirit's doing. Well, by and large, in the world, there's, there's no openness to that. There's no receptivity of that. So as a result, they're not hearing the things that the Spirit is saying. And we can be in that same place as well, which is why what Jesus tells us about the Holy Spirit is so important. If you fast forward to verse 7 of chapter 16, he says this. But very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, and watch this. This is part of the Holy Spirit's job description. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin, and righteousness, and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. In interesting passage. In fact, there's a lot there that's, from a theological standpoint, a little tricky to, to try to interpret. I think the, the New Living Translation of the Gospel of John really helps us. John chapter 16, verse 8. It's very clear here what he says. It's speaking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, and when he comes... He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. It's an interesting word there, isn't it? Convict. How many of you people really enjoy being convicted? <laughs> it's not a pleasant thing. Conviction can be a painful and a dreadful thing. If you've ever known conviction in any way, maybe it's because of, of a conversation you've had with somebody and they point something out, or, or more clearly, this is what we're talking about here, 
where you sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life, where God by his spirit is challenging you that there's some things in your life that aren't right. It's, it's not a very pleasant thing. Conviction is a painful and a dreadful thing. It's painful because sometimes you have to look at something you don't like and that feeling of conviction, if you know what I'm talking about, it's like in the pit of your stomach where you're just like, that's not right. I get that sometimes when I look in the mirror, right? You're like, look in the mirror and you're like, that's it, huh? That's all we got to work with. Then you go, I can fix some of that. Because the mirror will tell you, what are, this with my hair, or that, that, that I need to wash my face or whatever you see, okay, I can fix this. I, I can move forward with that conviction. It's like that. And it's a dreadful thing. Because on our own, it, it just shows us, truthfully, the state of our hearts. My, my hope is that you'll see conviction as a good thing today. Because we can have a tendency that when we feel it, we don't like the feeling of it, and so we push it away. That, that we try to run from conviction. When the truth is, conviction is a really, really good thing. In fact, as I was thinking and praying about this, this message this, this day, I just I felt so strongly from the Holy Spirit that for some of you, the most important thing that you can do before you walk out of here today is to open up your heart to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That you allow the Holy Spirit to shine a light on some different areas in your life. That you'd allow him to convict you of things. So that you can, instead of letting those things just stay the way they are and, and bring further destruction and hurt and pain to your life. Not because he's sadistic, but because he's loving. He wants to convict you. Here's why. Because it's far better to be convicted now than to be condemned later. Jesus already said at the end of that that the part of the Holy Spirit's role is this idea of judgment because the, the God of this world, the, the devil, is already condemned, he said. And his point is, look, I, I don't want you to go that route. So why don't you allow conviction to do a work in your life now so that you don't have to experience condemnation later? Twice in my life, I've had the incredible pleasure of having a root canal. Anybody else? Aren't they a lot of fun? What a great time. You get to just kind of sit around in the dentist's office while he, you know, Puts both fists in your mouth. It's, uh, it's horrible. I'm glad I did it, though. Here's why. Because they, they did an x-ray, and they looked at my tooth. And they saw that something wasn't right. And they said, if we leave it like that, it's only going to get worse. In fact, you, you, don't, you don't realize it right now. But if you don't do something about it, there will be infection that sets in. And then that might not just mess up that tooth. It could mess up your whole mouth. In fact, if you don't take care of it, 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 could, it could bring real illness or maybe even death to you. So there's going to be something very unpleasant that we're going to ask you to go through right now, but you'll be glad you did it later. That's conviction. And it's far better to be convicted now than to be condemned later because conviction is painful, but it's also what leads to repentance. And then when I repent, God can bring transformation to my life. And when he brings transformation, then there's a conversion. There's a change that happens. See, conviction leads to conversion. So that's a beautiful thing. So be careful that you don't get the wrong idea about conviction because it could be a very, very healthy thing that could make all the difference in your life. I was with a friend the other day and we were just talking and he was telling me about how he had been on the phone with a, with a buddy of his and his, his friend on the other end of the line was telling him about some things that were happening in his life, good things, really good things. And as a result, my friend who wasn't experiencing those same good things, he said that in his heart he began to feel jealousy. And in the way he described it to me, it sounded just like kind of this like beginning of this, this twinge, this feeling of jealousy. 
But he said, I immediately saw what it was, and I sensed that it didn't please the Holy Spirit. And he said, so in that moment of conviction, I repented and asked God to help me to deal with those feelings of jealousy. And I was like, dude, you're a better man than I am. You know, that's, that's like the first thought. I was like, well, it wasn't even that, that big of a deal. But he said, look, I didn't want that to go places where I didn't want it to go. And I knew I needed to deal with that in my heart because when I sensed that conviction, it was best for me to deal with it before it grew and became poison and was, was a damage in my life and in my relationship with my friend. And I thought to myself, am I that open to the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Not because he's trying to point out everything that's wrong with me. Do you know anybody who likes to point out everything that's wrong with you? That's not conviction. They're a creep. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes with conviction. You know why? Because he comes to help us. He comes to give us what we need. Conviction is a gift that leads to life. And that's why Jesus says to the disciples, look, I'm, I'm going to go, but I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to send you another, one just like me. He's God, right? An advocate, not an assistant. He's going to lead you and guide you. You can put your trust and your confidence in him. He's going to help you. He's going to comfort you and counsel you and guide you and lead you. And when you're in a mess, the advocate, not your assistant, but the advocate is going to help you to move through that thing. And it may come with some conviction, but the reason is that he's the spirit of truth, and he's going to shine a light on what's fake in your life. And he's going to show you how you can live with life. And here's the good news, he says, and he will be with you forever. He's not going to leave you. In fact, he'll be with you. And Jesus says in verse 17, he'll be in you. And then watch what he says in verse 18. Before I read it, some of you need to hear this. Because you're in a season of your life where maybe you feel all alone. Maybe in a room full of people. Maybe even in the presence of your family or your coworkers or whatever. You, you feel like you're all alone. You know weariness. You know stress. You know loneliness. John 14, 18, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. How, how's he going to come to us? The Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus with us. When, when you sense the presence of the Holy Spirit, that's God, right? And in the same way that Jesus was with the disciples in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is with us in these days. Orphan is a pretty strong word. And he says, look, I'm not going to leave you all alone. The Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus with us. How many of you have ever known, and honestly, I'd love for you to raise your hand. How many of you have ever known the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life? Like you, you sensed it. Not because you looked up and went, there's something floating there. That's not it. Right? But you know in your heart his presence and his spirit's there. Chad, are you sure? Are you sure you sense that? How do you know it wasn't just your emotion? How do you know you weren't just making it up? How do you know it wasn't just something that, that you wanted to feel and so you felt it? How do you know you're right? What if you're wrong? Well, I've sensed the presence of the Holy Spirit. And if I'm wrong, I don't want to be right. I want his presence and his work in my life. And when you have that loneliness or that stress or that weakness, remember what Jesus says here. He says, earthly abandonment is no match for God's presence. He will not leave you as orphans. He will come to you. In fact, he has come to you to be in you and to be with you because he sent this, this advocate, his counselor, his comforter, his teacher, his guide. It's the Holy Spirit. So, uh, Let's just be honest. 
For some of us, we go, boy, I sure could use that. Because lately, I've felt alone or I've felt tired. Maybe, maybe the word that we use sometimes is that I, I've felt dry. I, I just felt like I, I have nothing left to give. One more story from the Gospel of John. John chapter 7, there's this story where Jesus goes to the city of Jerusalem for what's called the Feast of Tabernacles. There's three main feasts in, in the Jewish religion in the first century. It was, it was the Feast of Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. We'll, we'll talk about all three of them here in a few weeks, but, but Jesus was there for the, the third one, the Feast of Tabernacles. It's, it's about seven or eight days long. In fact, a lot of theologians say it would go for seven days, and then the eighth day is what they called the, the great day of the feast. And what would happen is, and, and, and Jerusalem's a city that's kind of built on hills. Down, down in, in one of the valleys is a place that's called the Pool of Siloam. And the priests would go down to the Pool of Siloam, and they would get water, and then they would walk back up to the temple. And if you remember, you're in the Middle East, right? So is, is water a pretty hot commodity? And so they'd take the water, and then they would go up back to the temple, and then they would pour out these water offerings. It, it was offering something very valuable back to God. It was a, it was a moment of sacrifice. In, in one part, it was an offering that was being made sacrificially to God. In the other, it was a fulfillment of prophecy. Because not only would they every day walk up the hill, up to the temple, and pour out the water. And this was a big deal. People saw this, right? Because people would come from all over the Roman world. Jewish pilgrims from all over would come to watch this festival, to take part in it. So every day, they would see the priests come up with the water. They would see them pour it out to the point that archaeologists have found souvenir mugs that you could get when you went to Jerusalem. This is no joke. That would depict the pouring out of this water. And so they would see this, and then they would hear as a part of this, they would read these prophecies from Zechariah and from Ezekiel chapter 47. And they would read these prophecies where God says, I am going to pour out my spirit on you like rivers of living water. So for seven days, these pilgrims watch. The priests come up. They pour out the water. They read the scriptures. God is promising that he's going to pour himself out on them. They hear it every day, seven days. John chapter 7, verse 37, on the last and greatest day of the festival. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. When I read that, there were some people who heard those words and said, I'm thirsty. Jesus, I, I'm dry. I need something in my life. And Jesus said, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. You see what John says? Jesus made a promise to people who had visually seen it all week, and Jesus says, look, I'm the fulfillment of this. And so if you're thirsty, here's the invitation. You can, you can drink, and I will give to you rivers of living water that's going to come through my Spirit, through the paraclete, through my advocate, through my counselor, through the convictor, through the comforter, through the healer, through the helper, through the teacher. He's going to bring that to you, and they will be rivers of living water. Whenever I read something in God's Word, I say to myself, God, how, how, do, how do I paint a picture that will help me to understand this better? You don't have to here. Jesus did it for you. A river of living water water. That's a picture of power and refreshment and energy and life and health that comes to us. And he says, you can find that through the person of the Holy Spirit. He's God and he's right here with you. You know how I know that? Because I felt his presence in this room today. And he can do that work in your life. 
So I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you would, please. And instead of bowing your head, I'm going to ask you to lift it to heaven. And if you would say, Holy Spirit, I want those rivers of living water in my life, would you extend your hands to heaven? Maybe you're dry and you're thirsty today. I don't know. Maybe you're filled to overflowing. But if you would say, Holy Spirit, I want your presence at work in my life. I want you to pour out your spirit in my life. Right now, would you just begin to ask him to do that? Whether you're here in this room, watching on a screen somewhere, just begin. God, would you pour out your spirit in my life? Pray for rivers of living water to flow. That you would lead me and that you would help me. That you would pour out your spirit in my life. We just read that the Holy Spirit brings to us the presence of Jesus. God the Father's love is right here in this room. And we sang earlier, it's as close as the mention of his name. And so as we ask for the Holy Spirit to pour out his presence, let's sing that song again. That at the mention of his name, everything can change. Holy Spirit, we thank you. the Holy Spirit to be at work in your life. Thank you.
Spirit of truth, would you shine that light in those areas in our lives? Some of us need to be reminded that, that the abandonment we feel in certain areas of life is no match to the Spirit's presence that's right here and that is with us forever. Spirit, some of us are just dry. Lord, would you stir up rivers of living water inside of us? Spirit, we're hungry for what you want to do in our lives, not, not just on a Sunday in this room, but all throughout the week as we open up ourselves, as we hear your voice, as we are led by you. May we know your presence and your leading in our lives and in our homes, in our workplace, in our schools, and in our community, right here in our church. Rivers of living water. Lord, as we go from here, we ask that you go with us. Spirit, would you go with us as we, as we walk, not in the flesh, but in the spirit this week. Send us out with your special favor, with your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name.